What's going on, NFL football fans? This is the NFL All 32 podcast. I am David Hassig, and with me, as always, the czar of the playbook, Emery Hunt, Troy Anthony, and Alex Marinoni. Gentlemen, good morning to you. It's been a crazy week. There's been a full moon, and it's certainly reflected in the action. How 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 did you do? You you lose money this week? Everybody lose money this week? No, nah, I'm good. I don't even <laughs> bet. And my my against the spread stuff is outstanding. Check that out at Sportsline.com. Lost a couple of dollars, but fantasy team's doing pretty well. Hey, the fantasy team's going. I went, I went even, but maybe if we had some guys that could kick some field goals, I'd be doing a little bit better. <laughs> oh, the kickers. Why did they even move it back? Anyway, folks, we got a lot to talk about on this on this podcast. We'll, of course, review all of Week 6 action. we got the XFL that we're going to talk about briefly. Uh, the draft's coming up in the next couple of days this week. We've got a lot of buy or sell to talk about, as well as a sub- couple of hot takes that we've heard in the... Uh, the media landscape that are that are just ridiculous but uh, week six had a little bit of everything we had two quarterbacks benched we had another rookie quarterback making his nfl debut could there be a shakeup coming to a couple of coaching staffs around the nfc we'll talk about that as we go through it but let's talk about our week six games and we'll start with the thursday night game new england taking on the giants decent performance from the new york giants a whole lot better than people probably thought 35-14, though, to New England. They just keep rolling along. Daniel Jones can't continue to turn the ball over. It was those interceptions that really doomed them against New England. They had a chance to, to win that game late in the fourth quarter or deep into the fourth quarter. The turnovers reared its ugly head and buried the Giants. But defensive effort, I thought, was solid. Solid effort for sure. Let's move on to the Sunday games back in London. The Panthers taking on the Buccaneers. Bucks looked like they had everything rolling along, and then all of a sudden the Panther defense shows up. Seven turnovers in this game, but another good one for the Panthers. They went 37-26. Yeah, Jameis Winston reverts back to his turnover ways, throws five interceptions. But the real story here for me is Kyle Allen just continues to get it done. He's now 5-0 as the Panthers' starting quarterback, and you would have thought that the Bucks would get it done if they shut down Christian McCaffrey, which they did for the most part, but the Panthers edge him out. Move on to Baltimore taking on Cincinnati. Maybe a little bit more trouble for Baltimore in this game than we thought. 23-17. Bengals 0-6 for the first time since 2008. They are quickly battling out for the number one pick in next year's draft. But another good game for Baltimore. Yeah, the offense uh, kept it going and no turnovers this game for the Baltimore offense. Lamar Jackson with a ridiculous stat line in this game with 152 rushing yards and 230 passing yards. Doing everything he can. But that defense is still scary for Baltimore Ravens they uh they're not really getting it done and locking down as much as we're used to them uh used to seeing Seattle Seahawks in spite of uh get the win again for Cleveland and according to Cleveland despite in spite of the refs they couldn't get it done 32-28 but Seattle 3-0 on the road beginning a season first time since 1980 for them this Seahawks team is for real it's interesting because they were up 20 to 6 in this ball game and ended up losing this game to Seattle great comeback for Russell Wilson you talk about a what 32 to uh, 30, uh, 26 to, to 6 run yeah. um, in this game, or 26 to 8 run. Outstanding way to come back. And again, Baker Mayfield can't continue to turn the ball over. We move on to the next game here on the schedule. Maybe some help from above on this one. The Saints got blessed inadvertently by the Pope on Sunday morning, and then they get a win 13 to 6 over the Jaguars. Teddy Bridgewater 4 0 as a starter. Yeah, the Saints slow down that Minshew magic. This was a great defensive game. Saints defense continues to look good. Jaguars defense continues to look good. Only one touchdown in this game and comes from Bridgewater, who continues to get it done. Are there big problems at Arrowhead? It certainly seems that way. The Chiefs dropped their second game in a row, 31-24 to the Houston Texans. Houston has looked outstanding. The Chiefs now might be in trouble. What do you think? Yeah, the defense has really got to step up. I mean, they gave up 472 total yards to the Houston Mm. offense. Uh, Houston did what they had to do. They ran the ball a lot. Uh, Carlos Hyde was 120 rushing yards on 26 carries and 42 added for Watson. Uh, They kept the Chiefs off the field, and the defense did just enough to keep them at bay. We thought this game might end in a tie, but somebody finally got a win. The Washington Redskins 17-16. Miami makes another quarterback change. They get rid of Rosen. They almost get a win with Fitzmagic. Then they drop a screen pass to lose just at the death, but Washington finally gets on the board. Glad they went for two and and the win. They did go for the win. Yeah, they went for the win. So, uh, shout out to Terrapin Lauren. First game back, balled out once again. He's tremendous as a rookie, maybe in a running for rookie of the year. Stephon Diggs, oh my goodness, for Minnesota, 38-20 over the Eagles. Problems continue for Philadelphia, but the Minnesota Vikings, at least for now, look like a contender in the NFC North. 
Yeah, those Eagles cornerbacks are their weakest point on that team, and the Vikings exploited that to the fullest. Kirk Cousins had a day, 30, 333 yards, four touchdowns. Stephon Diggs with three touchdowns on the day. Arizona taking on Atlanta. Defense nowhere to be seen in this game. The Cardinals get a win on a missed extra point, 34-33. Back-to-back wins for the Cards. Falcons 1-5 and five start for the first time since 2007. What is wrong in Atlanta? I don't know, but it looks like there might be changes. Uh, not coming from a hot take, just saying yeah. uh, you, you got to do something <laughs> Expected different. At this Expected, point. Uh, but uh, for the Cardinals, very good game. Um, Kyler Murray is just getting better and better every week, and throwing to nine different receivers with a reception in this game for Kyler Murray shows that he's got a real uh, comfortable feel with this offense. Certainly getting more comfortable from what we saw in the first couple yep. weeks. The five and zero San Francisco 49ers. We haven't said that since 1990. They allow a touchdown on L.A. Rams' first drive and then shut them down for the rest of the game, 20-7. to The 49ers now have to be considered for real. I mean, you have to look at Jimmy Garoppolo as an MVP candidate. <laughs> Into um, the hot take right, segment. I'm BSing. There's no way in hell he's an MVP candidate. He's just the bus driver to this team that has a fantastic defense. Moving on now, the Broncos, another team with a fantastic defense. They take down the Titans 16 to nothing. Rare to see a shutout in the NFL. Marcus Mariota gets benched. Denver puts up seven sacks, and they haven't allowed a touchdown in back-to-back games. Denver's defense is becoming problematic. Yeah, these last two games, their defense has been lights out. But what will happen next with that Mariota-Tannehill situation? Tannehill comes in and throws for almost 100 more yards than Mariota on fewer attempts. What what happened? Did the Jets win a football game? They did, 24-22 over the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys have now lost three in a row. Big problems in Big D, but Sam Darnold comes back healthy and put on a show for the Jets. Yeah, amazing. This Jets team definitely played inspired football this week, and just with their guy back, it looked like a completely different team from the first four weeks. Uh, They took care of business at home, and they really gave Dallas's offense fits in the first half. you have anything you want to say to Coach Gase? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I gotta say, I gotta say that was the most impressive part about this was how he opened the playbook. Um, just one week with Sam Darnold, obviously holding back those last four weeks. Not saying they had a shot at winning those games, but at least being a little bit more competitive, he really opened up the playbook and looked like the offensive guy and guru that we were all expecting. And finally, on Sunday night. Who knew an FCS quarterback could have success in the NFL? Devlin Hodges, Devlin Duck Hodges, as he is now known, 24-17 over the Chargers. The Chargers did come back nicely in the second half of this game, but they just did not look good. Steelers starting to come back a little bit. Yeah, the defense looks outstanding. They got great play from Devlin Hodges, who looks like the reincarnation of Bobby Brister. It's funny how the the broadcast ran with that comparison. I wonder where they got that comparison from. Hmm. Uh, But I love the fact that the Steelers' defense is looking like the Steelers' defense, and that should bode well for their chances moving forward. And by the way, Hodges, the first SoCon quarterback to start an NFL game since 2010. That was Chad Pennington when Marshall was part of the SoCon back when he graduated. That would have been a good trivia question because I surely would have got that wrong. Exactly. Forgot Marshall was in the SoCon. So a long, long time ago, back in the glory days of Marshall football. But... Um, any other takeaways you guys have from these games this past week? Anything you want to just chime in before we get into our next segment here, or is it? What is going on with the Chargers? I mean, this is a team <laughs> that we were thinking about was going to be uh, a team competing with the Chiefs for the AFC West crown, 2-4, and four, and they look ugly doing it. Real ugly. This Russell Wilson MVP talk heating up. Hey. I touched on it last week. Hey. I was a little bit disappointed that people weren't giving him the credit for it, and he just continues to impress this week. For those who don't know, Russell Wilson lost communication in his helmet. He was calling his own plays halfway through that game, so you can take all the credit for that one. You know who can't take all the credit for that? Jared Goff. And, you know, it's just impressive to see uh, how they're able to try to manufacture offense without, you know, a competent QB. It's not that he's <laughs> he's terrible. It's that, man, he, you know, you paid this guy this, this money, and also he was the number one overall pick. He's starting to fall into that category of, Winston Mariota, where you're looking like, man, can we trust this guy? And but it's too late now. You already paid him, and you know, shout out to Lamar Jackson too for uh, first quarterback in the modern era to rush for over 150 and throw for over 250 in the same game. Kaepernick did it in the playoffs, uh, and Lamar Jackson, division leading Lamar Jackson and Baltimore Ravens are um, he was able to do it in the regular season. I was actually really, really impressed with the 49ers defense, and we saw I saw a stat here today. 
these wide receivers, this combined stats for Mike Evans, Chris Good Godwin, Odell Beckham Jr., Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, and Brandon Cooks against the 49ers, 14 catches, 143, and one touchdown. Wow. That is damn good for the San Francisco 49ers. Um, Let's talk about – well, we talk about the NFL a lot on this podcast. Obviously, it is an NFL podcast. But we have to make some time now because there is a new league coming into the fold that actually might have a chance of survival. The XFL being reincarnated has their draft over the next couple of days. 70 rounds, I believe, Emery. 70-plus rounds. 70-plus rounds. It's a new league. A full roster being created here. Exactly. Coaching staffs are being revealed. Uh, some big-name coaches from the past getting head coaching jobs again, guys like June Jones uh, in this league. But we're going to keep an eye on this draft because there's a lot of guys who are former NFL players, some guys who didn't get a chance out of college that now are. And what are we looking for out of this draft? Because this is the first time we could see a legitimate developmental league for the NFL actually have success. I just think that when you look at how preseason and training camp goes – you have all these guys on the roster. You have a 90-man roster, guys getting cut, uh, guys signing with other teams. For instance, Devlin Hodges, right? He was here in New York with the Giants for their rookie tryout camp, which is a two-day camp. Um, all rookies, both drafted, undrafted free agents that are signed, and also tryout guys. So you have a full 90-man roster of rookies, right? So he didn't make the he didn't make the roster. And so he didn't meet teams, so he moved on. He signed with the Steelers and went through their training camp. But Hodges is a guy that could have easily gotten lost in the shuffle. Yeah. You know, to go from a prolific FCS player, uh, broke Steve McNair's record, um, all-time passing record, and won the Walter Payton Award, which is the FCS Heisman Trophy. So you go from that to not being able to play football. This is the league that, that is, is sorely needed for guys like that, that may need extra film to prove that they can play. Um, you look at some of these guys on these NFL practice squads that will never get an opportunity. If A.J. Green doesn't get hurt, Alden Tate doesn't get the opportunity. And Alden Tate was a really good receiver at Florida State. So Alden Tate would be a guy that could be in the uh, XFL. So I'm excited about this league. It starts the week after the Super Bowl um, or the you know right after the Super Bowl. 10-game um, schedule. It's a, it's a great opportunity for a lot of these players that are right on the cusp of the NFL, and I like how it's pitching itself as its own entity and not as a developmental league for the NFL. So right. I'm excited about this and see a lot of these players that we spend all the months scouting from January to you know April's draft, where they end up and and you know how they do. And you want to see these guys continue to play football because this is the one sport where you can't play into your 40s, deep into your 40s, like you could with baseball or basketball. Um, so you you only have five years to maximize your true athleticism so i'm excited to see these guys continue to keep keep playing and it's not like this is a league for oh this is just for you know d2 players or you know d3 guys that are coming in you got guys that are coming from legitimate division one programs that just don't they get overlooked they get overshadowed by bigger stars of their team on at their own position for whatever reason they don't get a look or they have a bad camp you know all, all it takes is you don't get drafted you get invited to a rookie camp you don't have a good camp, and then you never get looked at again. And that's just, you know, it isn't fair for guys who are Division One athletes. Um, it'll be interesting to see, though, as this league develops, if it is able to survive for more than a couple of years, you know, how many players actually get signed to NFL rosters as it goes along. Obviously, it is a separate entity. It's not, you know, there's no affiliations here. There's no, you know, New York, you know, New York Gladiators aren't combined with, you know, whoever. Um but it'll be interesting to see how many guys actually make that jump because there is that question mark of those last four or five names on the roster for every NFL team. Do they deserve to be there? Um, and it's going to be interesting to see what names get picked. I think the timing of the XFL is going to be huge for them, especially mm. since it's just after the NFL season is ending. So we have these guys who are coming out of school potentially who maybe they're not going to make it in the NFL draft. Maybe they're not going to make it on an NFL team or even invited to camp. But if they can get into the XFL camps and prove something, put something on tape before OTAs even start, now they're starting to get these calls. Yeah, I'm also very interested in, since it's going to be right after the NFL season, some of these practice squad guys that maybe if you're a fan of a team and you're wondering about some of the guys that you have on your practice squad, they might go and jump to play in the XFL to get that time. And you get to see these guys 
in person playing real games rather than just being test dummies or fill-ins for a week. And yeah. even the development of those practice squad players. Because you're sitting there practicing with them, sitting with the team for film and study and everything else, but you never get to really put it to use during a game. Mm. Well, now you're going to the NFL, XFL, and you're allowed to put that in use during game, and that's just going to further your development. It'll be interesting to see, too, how many of these guys that are on the practice squad, obviously, you know, you move to the XFL, how many of them will stay in the XFL? Because obviously the biggest thought you would think of, oh, I have to get back to the NFL league. Some of these guys might go to the XFL and say, hey, you know what? I'm happy here. I'm, I'm happy where I am. I don't need to go back to an NFL practice squad or try to struggle to make a roster. I'm a star in this league. I think that's a possibility. And we saw we were at the XFL uh, combine, a pro day, the New York one, uh, and saw the, the amount of guys that were out there just competing and trying to make you know an impression and how many players were out there that I found myself saying, like, man, I was – like." We just interviewed you in March during the Pro Day circuit, and here you are now. You were just on Team A roster, and now you are here competing. I thought you were still on the roster getting ready for camp, and it's just it's that's how quickly things can change in the NFL. For instance, you see, um, I just saw scroll across the Twitter feed, the Bears have re-signed Abdullah Anderson, who played defensive lineman for Bucknell, and he was on a roster earlier. He played. Then after he played, they released him, signed somebody else, and now they br- signed him back to bring him to the practice squad, and now they're signing him to the active roster. Yeah. Phillip Walker was a quarterback that I covered a lot at Temple. He was – last year was a running joke was every week they released Phillip Walker um, for game week only to bring him back, like, after the next day. So it was like, okay, Phillip Walker is cut, and then – you'll see the Simpson meme of the guy coming in and coming out. <laughs> Phil Walker's back on the Rossi sign. So imagine being Philip Walker and knowing that, okay, yeah, they released me as a, as a you know business move, but I'm still on the, I'm still here. You know, I'm still going to be on the team. Yeah. But imagine going through that for, for he has gone through it for three years and not getting able to, being able to play until the preseason. And now you have the, the pressure of, I have to perform, I have to be Joe Montana in the preseason just to get on the active roster, only to go through that process of cut, sign, cut, sign, cut, sign. You know, so yeah. this is an opportunity for these guys to have some success. I'm excited about the the coaches too, and you know, guys getting opportunity. We talk about the minority coaches. You know, Pep Hamilton won, was always a bridesmaid, never a bride. Um, he has an opportunity. We get to see more innovative stuff with June Jones, um, Bob Stoops. So all that cool stuff you get to see. And the opportunity for these guys, I know their ex, their overtime rule uh, is going to be unique, and I know their uh, extra point situation is unique. You, you have a chance to go for one, two, or three, which I think is awesome. It's going to be certainly interesting to watch. Again, the XFL draft is going to be happening over the next couple of days, um, going up through Wednesday, I believe, and we'll have uh, everyone will have some coverage, I'm sure, on that and who goes where. Also, nice to see that they're not having the quarterbacks eligible for the draft; that they're signing the quarterbacks. Uh, to the rosters, at least the star quarterbacks. The starters, yeah. Which is a, a nice, I, I think this is a nice way to have a competitive balance at least. Well, if your quarterbacks are good, it makes the games watchable. Yeah. Because you can't have bad quarterback play. Which was the problem with the AAF. Right. There was a, maybe two teams, and no surprise that the Browns picked up one of them. Um, Gary Gilbert was balling in with the Orlando Apollos and made those games fun to watch. He had Spurrier, he had a good quarterback. Um but if you had a bad quarterback, and we saw that with uh, the Atlanta team, too many, too we, many games. When you had those. Matt Sims, you know, and they, they refused <laughs> to put Aaron Murray in, who's not that much better, but he's better than Matt Sims. And it's, so, if you don't have good quarterback play, the games are unwatchable. So again, folks, that will be going on, and the season starts in February at after the Super Bowl for the NFL season. So we'll keep an eye on that. Again, this is the NFL. Uh, all 32 podcast here on SoundCloud and iTunes. You can listen back to any football game plan podcast here by searching football game plan in the podcast section. Subscribe so you don't miss any of our content content coming out. And don't forget to go to youtube.com slash football game plan where we have videos going up all the time from across the football universe. It's a lot of good stuff that we have to offer you. Let's move into our next segment, guys, and let's talk get back to the NFL now. And it's time to talk buy or sell because, again, now we're closer to the midseason point than we are from the beginning. It's time to figure out if people should be worried, panic, do whatever. So let's start with this buy or sell. 
the Dallas Cowboys. As we said, they've now lost three in a row. They lose to the winless New York Jets this week. Nothing seems to be clicking. We've heard this before, though. We've heard that this is when Jason Garrett's going to get fired. It has to make a change. This is when Jerry Jones is going to lose patience. And yet, somehow, it never happens. Is this the time? Are we buying or selling that the Cowboys and their fans should be worried at this point? I think I'm selling. Oh, I'm selling. Excuse me. Excuse me. I'm oh, buying. Okay, I'm buying. I was about to say. I'm selling. Whoa, whoa. I'm selling that they've been. Yeah, exactly. I'm, bu- I'm buying that they should be worried because, I mean, you just lost three in a row. And what was the whole thing for all the Cowboy haters out there? Of course, because there's two ends of, the, of each spectrum. There's the lovers, the haters, and then there's us that are in the middle. Yes. So where's... Supposedly you, in the middle. Some you, of us, yes. You've got the... They played three cupcake games to start the year, right? And they took care of business. Then they played two tougher teams and a winless team and just drop it. You were okay with the Saints loss. You were okay with some with uh, with their other loss. And then they play the Jets, and that's a game that they're supposed to get right, especially right before you play Philly, a yeah. divisional opponent that you're going to be compete for the division with. And that's the game you get right, and then you drop the ball. This is a game that you got, you got to be worried about because... If you're the Cowboys, you're in the driver's seat in that division, and you should be taking the stranglehold in that division, and you're allowing the Eagles and even the Giants at this point st- stick around and get a chance to they're within a game, and the Eagles and them are tied. So, I'm going to have to buy as well. Um, we know that the Cowboys are a talented group across the board, exactly. offense and defense, but their schedule going forward is extremely tough. They have Philly, New England, Buffalo, Chicago, the Rams, Philly twice actually, Detroit. Like that that schedule is tough with good defenses everywhere the rest of the year. I don't know if they're going to correct it quick enough, whatever's going on with them, if they'll correct it quick enough to be able to take this division and whoever to get out of this division, you're going to have to win it. Yeah, I'm not – I'm not worried about what's going on right now. It's week six, you know, six games in. I can understand where some people have worries. I have more worry about, you know, one position in particular, and that's why is Jeff Heath still out there playing, you know, safety? He's a liability. He's a touchdown waiting to happen. You saw it on that deep ball to Robbie Anderson. There was no way he was. Terrible angle on that, man. Bad angle, no speed. This dates back to last year in the, the game against the Rams when, you know, he allowed uh, Jared Goff to pick up that, that first down. It's like, what are you looking at? He's right there make the tackle. Uh, so there are some liabilities there. This was a game that didn't have Amari Cooper. He was out early. True. Randall Cobb didn't play. Michael Gallup dropped every pass thrown his way. <laughs> so you figure if he catches those passes, Brett Meyer made a 62-yard field goal and misses this 30-something yarder. <laughs> I'm not worried about the Cowboys yet. This is still a good team. I don't even want to say they overlooked the Jets because they were going to play the Eagles next week, but I'm not worried, so I'm selling. What about the uh, L.A. Chargers? Let's move on to our next one. This Chargers team looks lost. Phillip Rivers is really starting to look his age. Did not He looked much better in the second half on Sunday night. First half, he did not look good at all, but there's a whole lot of problems with this Chargers team right now. Are the Chargers, should they be worried about missing out here? I'm buying that. I, I think they should because at least when they when they were losing in the past, they're usually in the games. They they looked completely outmatched these last two weeks, especially against the Steelers. Now credit to the Steelers, their defense has looked light years better from week yes. one. But at the same time, you're supposed to be a team that was an AFC. As I mentioned before, they were supposed to be a favorite to come out of this AFC with the Chiefs and the Patriots. And the fact that they're not even competitive right now, it's taking late come from like rallies in the fourth quarter just to be competitive in games is something that should be concerning especially with all the injuries they've had on both sides of the ball yeah i'm very concerned for the Chargers. i have been for a few weeks uh i said going into this season their defense was supposed to be their rock it was supposed to be their strong point mm. they drafted to help their defense and it hasn't been that case at all and over the past few weeks two weeks since Gordon has been back they've gotten away from giving Eckler the ball and before that Eckler I think was like the fifth rusher in the league and his touches have gone down since and their offensive production has gone down since they haven't uh what's his name Keenan Allen hasn't been producing as much we thought Mike Allen or Mike Williams would have been producing a lot this year and he hasn't either they get Hunter Henry back that's a huge plus for them get Hunter Henry back he had two touches this past weekend 
But that offense and that defense both need to do something to get right because right now the Chargers are due for some concern. Yeah, I'm I'm buying this as well because a lot of people try to make the case that they are better. They don't need Melvin Gordon. And now that they have him back, they're struggling to, to try to find consistency on offense. And him being out actually made their offense not work or function as we saw it last year. Yes, they're without Derwin James is a big piece of their defense. I don't have an issue with their defense. It's the offense that I'm worried about. They struggle to put the ball in the end zone. Um, and Steelers took their foot off the gas a little bit last night. Uh, they had that game in hand. I'm worried about their offense because now you look at this AFC with Houston, who beat them, Kansas City, who will beat them. They also have Baltimore to worry about. They have the Patriots. That's four teams right there. Then you add in Denver is not a slouch. Denver can play uh, defense, and we know they struggle against good defense. Denver also, by the way, beat them. So you got five teams right now vying for you with the sixth spot. The Colts. The Colts. You can't forget about them and their defense. So Chargers may be on the outside looking in. Let's move on to our next one here. Cam Newton. When he came into the league, he absolutely changed the game at the quarterback position. The Carolina Panthers have been, for the most part, a force when he's been in there. Obviously, he hasn't been healthy the last couple years. Kyle Allen has stepped in. And all of a sudden, Kyle Allen is making himself look like a legitimate starter in the National Football League. So are we buying or selling that Cam Newton is no longer the starting quarterback of the Carolina Panthers? He's lost his job. I'm selling. Um, And the reason why I'm selling is because we're all forgetting what Cam Newton brings to the table when he's healthy, and that's arguably the most talented quarterback at the position, or talented player at the position. Uh, Cam Newton, and now Colin has done a phenomenal job. He's won four straight games and has has done the job. I mean, he's 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 getting better. You see every week his turnovers are going down. He's making the right throws. But Cam Newton brings this level. His the level he brings this offense is almost unmatched. I mean, they went 15 and one with him when he was right. And that, you couldn't make the argument that was the last time he was actually 100 percent right. Yeah. Um, and you can't live off Christian McCaffrey doing this forever. At some point, he's going to wear down doing everything. I think when Cam when Cam Newton is ready. He's gonna. He's. It's his job, and he's. It's gonna be. Uh, this offense will be that much more dynamic. I have to sell as well. Um, Cam Newton is one of the most athletic quarterbacks to have played the game. Um, depending on what he is when he gets back to the team, is gonna go as far as telling us what's what. Cal Allen has balled out. Seven touchdowns, no interceptions. 106.6 QB rating. He is exactly what the Panthers need right now that Cam is down. But when Cam comes back and how he plays is going to depict what the Panthers do going forward. Selling this like crazy. This is the dumbness you see in the media um, because <laughs> they're talking about Kyle Allen as if he was an MVP and led his team to the Super Bowl with no one around him. Um, Kyle Allen has put up good numbers, though. He still hasn't thrown an But NFL he hasn't been the reason why they've won these games. No, absolutely not. It's been Christian McCaffrey going nuts so, right, uh, out there. And, you know, even you saw let, this past game, if it wasn't for Jameis Winston turning the ball over like crazy and setting that offense up mm-hmm. on super short fields, you know, Kyle Allen, you know, has been okay. He's been good, but he hasn't been franchise quarterback. It's funny because on the opposite side of that, you have a guy that has been everything that you wanted him to be as your backup in Teddy Bridgewater and all the Saints beat writers and Saints writers for The Athletic and for NOLA.com, for all these other outlets that cover the Saints exclusively, they want Teddy Bridgewater out of there. Say he's not doing it well enough. They're undefeated as well. 4-0 is the start of the season. So this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like Kyle <laughs> Allen, a healthy Cam Newton, I don't know what – what is a Kyle Allen? A healthy Kyle <laughs> Allen is a what to a healthy Cam Newton. This is dumb selling this. Let's move on to the next one here, and I think this will be a, probably a quick one. San Francisco 49ers, as we said, undefeated. This defense looks outstanding. The offense, not terrible either. Jimmy Garoppolo has shown flashes of what we saw him do in New England, what we saw him do in college. The defense has been the biggest story, obviously. Are we buying and selling that San Francisco is now the power in this division? I'm definitely buying. I mean, they just took down the power of this division with ease. I mean, I'm buying the fact that this is a complete team. They did what they had to do this offseason to revamp that defense. He, uh, Kyle Shanahan now has he, – he got the best out of Bethard and Mullins last year. Now he's got a competent, more competent quarterback um, leading the ship. And as Emery said earlier, 
He's not the big time Jimmy G, Jimmy G. We should all eyes are flashing in the uh, bright lights, but he's not making mistakes and he's just driving the bus. Yeah, I'm going to have to sell this one. I mean, yeah, I have to sell this one. The power, I guess we're assuming that it was the Rams based off of what they did last season and what they've been so far. But in my mind, the power is definitely the Seattle Seahawks because that's a team, no matter what day of the week, they can take it to you. They might have a bad game here, but you're not going to beat them two or three times in a row. That's just not happening. That team runs through Russell Wilson, arguably the best quarterback in the league, making a strong case for MVP. Seattle Seahawks are the power in that division. This is interesting because I'm buying their defense, but I'm selling their offense. I, I don't trust their offense against good teams with Jimmy Garoppolo. Their defense, they are the Buffalo Bills with a much of better NFC, offense. Of the exactly. NFC. Yeah. Bingo. Yeah. Buffalo Bills is the NFC <laughs> with an offense that has many more playmakers. A little bit more yeah. of a pulse. Yeah, yeah, a little bit more of a pulse. Uh, I don't. I mean, it's hard to – when you look at Josh Allen and, and uh, Jimmy Garoppolo – you know they, they they're kind of the same team they're kind of the same team and kind of the same players they just win differently Allen does it with his athleticism and being able to to buy time and extend and not afraid during pressure but Garoppolo is so underwhelming at the QB position however they have a legit home run speed on the perimeter yes at in the backfield and at tight end they are a good team I'm, I'm buying them I'll buy them fully but I'm not as sold on Jimmy G Let's move on to the next one here, and I can't believe we had to bring this up, but some of us thought so. Baker Mayfield struggling again with Cleveland. He's got all the weapons that he maybe lacked last year when he took over. Is Baker Mayfield overrated? Is he clear, actually an overrated quarterback? It, it's hard to believe that with all the hype and what he's been able to do as a college quarterback, but we've seen this before. Is he overrated? Yeah, and uh, I'm going to buy it because the bar was set so high. It was set MVP high. I think yeah. that's why he's overrated. Um, the The fact that you look at it on paper, and we could all talk about how on paper this team looks and how this offense should look, But and I think a lot of his uh, downfall this year is on the coaching, and that's another issue with the, with the way they've been calling games and the way they've been running this offense and how it's not through Nick Chubb, but We've seen that this offense only goes when it goes through Nick Chubb. And Nick Chubb is the engine of this offense. It's not Baker Mayfield. So um, just from that alone and the fact that he has underwhelmed, I don't think this is his – I think this is his floor. I don't think he gets worse than this, and I don't think I don't think he can. But overall, I think he's a better quarterback than what he's showing right now. But it's just too much noise. There's too much background noise going on right now in, in Cleveland. And uh, I think overall from the height that he had, he is definitely overrated. buying this one, and I feel bad buying it because I wanted to see Baker succeed. I loved him at Oklahoma, thought he would have come in the league and light it up, but at 56% completion, that's just not the case. And you have Odell and Jarvis Landry you're throwing to here. He has a 66 QBR, and... Five touchdowns to 11 interceptions. That's not even Jameis Winston worthy. (laughs) Jameis Winston has been better than that. Yeah. And that's crazy. Just all the talent and firepower you have around you to be playing at that level in the NFL is just unacceptable. As a number one overall pick, overrated 100% buy. Yeah, I'm buying that too because here's the thing with Cleveland fans at that position. Um there was one guy that was drafted that was like 21 years old when he was drafted and was taking over a team, a franchise, and won the starting job with his play in preseason. And every mistake he made, every not even mistake, but every incomplete pass, every drive that didn't end in the touchdown, his red zone efficiency, everything that went on with Deshaun Kaiser, they bashed. His stat line as a rookie, a 21-year-old rookie, 11 touchdowns, 22 interceptions. He led the league in interceptions, and his red zone turnovers were were a huge problem. He couldn't stop turning the ball over in the red zone. They were in a lot of games, that, that one-possession games that they lost had they maybe scored that touchdown earlier or got that field goal. So I get why, but he was a rookie. Baker Mayfield has thrown more interceptions than Deshaun Kaiser has in just two years. Also, you don't hear anything about Baker Mayfield's Probably You hear it. 
but people are, are finding ways to defend. Oh, well, this the receiver should have had that. The right guard didn't pick up his man. That's why the pass that went deep down the field uh, straight to the free safety was really the right guard's fault, you know, because it wasn't that Baker didn't, you know. So Baker has been overrated. This is who he is. And the one part that people didn't want to acknowledge uh, that I brought up during my scouting report was how he does versus pressure. They, they're seeing it now mm-hmm. and how he's leaving a, a clean pocket and vacating the pocket. I said he's he's a good player. Baker is probably, and I said this to the, I don't know if I said it on this podcast or I said it off air, but I always said what we saw last year is who he's going to be. He's going to average about a 27 touchdown, 14 to 15 interception season. You know, that's, that's him because what we saw, you know, everybody brings up the Peyton Manning record, but what no one talked about last year, yeah, he threw 14 interceptions, but he could have thrown 20. You know, there were some interceptions that were dropped. There were, like, blatant drops. Mm-hmm. Maybe guys this year are just catching them, you know, and yeah. so maybe that interception number may creep up to 18 interceptions. Um, eventually, the touchdown number will grow exponentially. He's going to get 20-plus touchdowns. It's not going to be at the rate we're seeing it grow now. One touch, He's not on that Vinny Testaverde track where it's one <laughs> touchdown, two picks a game. That's His harsh. Second, if you look at Vinny, uh, Vinny Testaverde's second year in the NFL, he has 16 touchdowns, 32 interceptions. So you can't – yeah, we won't see that. But I think Baker's going to even out about 20 and, and 19, 20, 23 and 19. So yeah. I would say from where everybody talked him up, I think he's overrated. I will say this with Baker. He reminds me of a couple guys in terms of not dealing with pressure. Kind of reminds me of Eli Manning. When Eli Manning hasn't had a strong offensive line, not that effective. But in terms of hype and maybe being overhyped, Johnny Manziel. Totally different different circumstances, obviously, with Johnny Manziel and what happened with him. But in terms of the hype and what was expected of him, it kills me. It kills me when people say this about, uh, you know, players like quarterbacks in particular. Oh, man, if he had this offensive line, if he had those receivers, if he had – yeah, if he had a Pro Bowl team, if he had Hall of Famers here, if he had a great coach, if he had – you know, if he was playing against, you know, MEAC schools. Maybe they should be Russell Wilson and not have to deal with any of it. If you're a good player, you're going to be a good player regardless, right? Yeah. Uh, and these same people love to say, oh, the quarterback – makes everybody around them better. But when their favorite quarterback struggles, he needs help and weapons. Like, it, you can't have it both ways. Mm-hmm. Make up your mind. You know, we see we saw this we see this a lot. We saw this in Minnesota last week yeah. or this past weekend where With they Kirk got Cousins. blown out. And no, it, when they got blown out and everybody said, well, Carson Wentz needs help. Like, bro, you don't think he was a part of the reason why <laughs> they were also getting blown out? The stat line may look great. Kirk Cousins, his stat line usually looks great. But you watch the game, you're like, yo, he's trash. You know, but <laughs> if a guy has to have everything around him be perfect in order for him to shine, how good of a player is he? Which leads to the question, how often have people questioned Russell Wilson? How many people Oh, it wasn't. He, it, they, that's why I always – I love being a troll on Twitter. <laughs> that's why whenever he has these Russell Wilson games, I always tweet, oh, man, little run game and defense did a great job. Because that's all he used to say in his early – oh, it's just because of the run game and defense. As if his play – has something to do with how the run game and the defense does. You can still have a run game and a defense and be trash. We saw that with the Minnesota Vikings with Christian Ponder and all those guys when they had Adrian Peterson and a great defense. If you are trash individually, you are trash individually. It has nothing to do with your defense or your running game. We had one more coming up, folks, but Emery's too fired up, so I think we should get into our next segment here. And let's talk about the hot takes of the media. We've heard some beauties over the last 24 hours. Let's start with this one. Wayne Hilthy, Sam Darnold, <laughs> is a better quarterback than Dak Prescott. That was from Greeny this morning. Mike Greenberg on Get Up on ESPN. Thoughts? That's the dumbest. That's <laughs> I am also a Jets dumb. fan, and I think that's dumb. That was, that was but Mike Greenberg, Greenberg is the quintessential prisoner of the moment guy. He <laughs> yes. says something like this every episode. The officiating was the worst ever this past week. Right. Uh, This is the best I've ever seen in the history of the NFL. He always is over the top. This is by far his best worst take ever. (laughs) This is absurd. Absurd. How you have one season of the kid and two games of his next season you're already already doubling him better than a quarterback who's been to the postseason multiple times. I will say, did he play better than Dak Prescott yesterday? Yes. Yes, he did. 
Can we really say he played better than Prescott? Some of those throws were damn good. Yeah. I mean, not gonna lie. I don't, I mean. Now, Dak Prescott did have a lot of, he had a couple of wide receivers out. He had one wide receiver that forgot how to catch. And he's, he had him in position to win. And you mentioned too. Oh, tie. You mentioned too. Zeke Elliott didn't look 100% yesterday either. He didn't look. So that's what I'm saying. Right. Like, if, if he far and away blew out Dak Prescott as far as how he played. But, I mean, there was a series of this game where I was just sitting there in the press box, like the second quarter felt like it was just a series of punts. Yeah, yeah. So, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, look at this game. I actually thought. I mean, obviously the Jets came out to the like the big lead right away, twenty-one to three, and you're like, Wait, right how? away. Yeah, and it was really it was a shock factor. I made a joke on the first play of the game for the Jets. It was a play action throw down the field. It was like a fifteen yard completion up the sideline, and I was like, holy crap! They threw the ball down the field. <laughs> I haven't seen that since week one, and that was at once I saw it week one. So, uh, but. It's from a shock factor. Sam obviously shocked a lot of people because you haven't seen anything close to this uh, the last couple of weeks. But, yeah. I mean, in the end, they both played very well. They both gave their team a chance to win to say one was much better than the other. I think Sam slightly outplayed him a little bit. And the reason why is because Dak had two, op- two instances where there were dropped interceptions and Sam had the one interception. And that's yep. the only reason why I will say, Sam, this game – this game outplayed Dak. But to say in it's not even a full season of 16 games for Sam, I think this was game 15 of his career, to say he's better than Dak Prescott, who's done what he's done so far, especially just look at – I mean, I had to look back at Dak's rookie year <laughs> just to see the numbers real quick to be like, wow. You know, really? like, I mean, I know that was like, you know, that the, everything fell right that season, but still it was like, wow, you know. But um, – to say he's better, I mean, we'll, we'll have this discussion, hopefully, for Jets fans especially, we can have this discussion three years down the road, but to say he's better than Dak, come on. Dak is, Dak is better than Carson Wentz and Jared Goff. So, Greeny, by default, default is saying Darnold is better than Wentz and Goff. Darnold well, is an MVP candidate. In Greeny's statement, what did he say? He said that Dak is a, a top-five quarterback, right? Well, he said the talk is Dak is a top five. Yeah, court, right. I mean, he's he doubting Darnold the head of him. Right. He's putting his, he's putting his Jets fandom way way too. Way here's why his statement is also dumb, and is the fact that <laughs> also, also dumb because he's basing everything he just said off of yesterday's game. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Didn't Darnold play in Week One against the Bills when they couldn't get a damn first down? Didn't Daniel Jones look impressive in his first NFL start? What happened to that? Those praises. I'm glad you brought that up because Thursday, <laughs> Thursday, Thursday night was was classic. I know you love Daniel Jones. Well, but here's the thing: we always say you need they they, they always say they. You need a sample size, yes. right? You can't judge off one game. But after Week One, we were on this podcast. Kuyper was making his rounds, pumping out his chest. <laughs> All these other draft analysts on Twitter. I told you, got Giants account tweeted out. People are deleting those tweets with the gif of the the, the people deleting, uh, hitting the delete button. Right. Four games of a sample size. Now you have the one game he played well against Tampa, <laughs> and the three other games where he has thrown multiple interceptions to Aaron Donald. <laughs> He's looking like Daniel Jones at Duke to me. Like, but now you don't see Kuyper. You don't see. Everybody else pumping their chest. They're going in defense mode. If you were that, like if Lamar Jackson, <laughs> if I had him as QB1, right? Yeah. Which I did. And he came out the gate and struggled. I'm not going to be out there on social media in every video talking about, well, it's because the right guard. The refs did him bad. Look at this holding. Like, I'm going to sit back and wait because I trust what I saw on tape, on tape and let it just play out. Mm-hmm. Like I'm doing with Lamar Jackson, like I'm doing with – you know, Darnold and Mayfield is playing out beautifully for me. So don't be that person. <laughs> now, I might be a Giants fan, and okay. you might say that I'm a fanboy for this, but in Jones' play, his balls are on point. To everybody. <laughs> I mean, of course you're going to have the one Aaron or two Aaron throws. One or two? Yeah. One Dozen. Two. No, his balls aren't all over the place. But granted, they're missing a lot of their firepower. Here's the thing. What does, let's say if Evan Ingram is out there, Shepard is out there, or uh, um, Saquon Saquon is out there, right? What does that have to do with him holding the ball, taking a hit, and then throwing the ball directly to the defender? Ouch. All I'm saying is, <laughs> and that's, and that's the I'm statement you say is, is when you know you've lost the argument. That's it. It's I get, like, he like legitimately didn't have the option. They didn't have their full team. I get that. But... That's if a ball bounced off uh, Russell Shepard's yeah. chest into the hands of a defender. You can say, okay. Yeah, that one you write off. 
Evan Ingram would have caught that. Right. You know what I'm saying? Or Sterling Shepard would have caught that. But throwing it directly to uh, – throwing it at Stephon Gilmore multiple times after he picked you off once, that's a Daniel Jones issue. Let's get into one more hot take before we get into our week uh, seven preview. Baker Mayfield. It seems like hot takes just follow quarterbacks. It just seems like it's always the, the key. But uh, Baker Mayfield pretty much blaming the refs for Cleveland losing their game this past week. And then head coach pretty much following him up. Pretty much didn't – I'm not going to comment on that. I don't want to get fined anymore. I mean, you could blame That's, you could blame the refs, but you can also acknowledge your bad play. The only people that have a legitimate gripe is the New Orleans Saints against referees because that was a pass was the only, last year. There is one game in history that you can legit blame the refs, and that is the game. That is it. Other than that, you can never blame the refs because the fact of the matter is you have 60 minutes to win that game. Unless the refs are being paid off, you have no excuse they whatsoever. They had a twenty to six say, lead. They had a lead in the ball game. They were down. Baker had a twenty-something yard touchdown run. He had a, a lot of beautiful throws down the field. They looked like they were about to beat the brakes off Seattle. But no, the the refs in the second half are completely to blame. How about we blame uh, Freddie Kitchens once again? <laughs> Nick Chubb is balling. Ah. Oh, uh. If you're Nick Chubb, you like you look at your stats at the end of the game. You're like, man, I average 17 yards a carry. <laughs> He's doing what Adam, we thought Adam Gates would do. <laughs> like, basically, what's happening? Here. First and goal from the five, pass. Second and goal from the five, pass. <laughs> Third and goal from the five, pressure comes, uh, pass. Uh, quarterback draw. Yeah, <laughs> man, yeah, that, that's it right there, though. That's why I've been thinking that it is Freddie Kitchens is more, and it's kind of like masking that Baker may not be this bad. It's just Freddie Kitchens and helping, but help man, him out, right? Like, do something. Like, like in that one game that they uh, they put up forty against the Ravens, Nick Chubb ran for one sixty five and three touchdowns. It was clear. You make the blueprint, Nick Chubb, and this offense. And then when Nick Chubb starts to wear down, if he starts to wear down, you get Kareem Hunt coming back. So you should be fine. What are we doing? No, no, no. That was just the one week. We're going to go back to Baker dropping back 50 times in the red zone, and we'll, we'll see how this goes. What's, what's the definition of insanity? What's doing the same thing the every Browns single time? Offense. That's the example. <laughs> oh, it's absolutely incredible. All right, let's get out of this. Let's get into week seven. We're going to go around the room and talk about this. Let's start with Thursday night. The Chiefs, as we said, losers of two in a row. They now go to mile high where the Broncos all of a sudden are looking like a decent football team. The defense has been outstanding. Could the Chiefs be four and three after seven weeks? We'll see, but can the Broncos show some offense? You're going to need True. offense to, to handle Kansas City. We know that we're going to need offense, but the thing is, we've seen that Chiefs offense stopped multiple times, and this Broncos team knows that Chiefs team. They just allowed, The Chiefs just allowed Carlos Hyde to run for 120 yards on them. You got <laughs> Phil Lindsay and that offense who look a little bit better now on the ground, and Royce Freeman's getting a little bit of time now I'm, this could be tough keeping the Chiefs offense off the field Carlos Hyde makes the podcast that's what you know it's bad Shout out LA, Ohio State. <laughs> LA Rams taking on the Atlanta Falcons both teams that are having a lot of trouble in two very different areas Rams can't get anything going on offense Falcons can't do anything defensively something has to give I mean but their offense <laughs> is is gonna help them out in this game and it's just a shame that that game didn't go into overtime against Arizona but this should be an entertaining game because I think both offenses will have success yeah, both offenses should have success through the air because we know that neither of them can get anything <laughs> no, going on the no. ground. Yeah, this is uh, this is definitely a get-right game for both teams. I mean, you, the Falcons thought they were going to have, have it last week with the Cardinals, and then that Brian can't hit that extra point plus the defense. Um, this is a game that, like you said, something has to give. Bills back off a bye. They're rested, and now they get a nice little tune-up game against the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins, could they go back to Fitzmagic? It's going to be interesting to see where they go here. Well, I, I like this game because I think both defenses are going to be competitive. Obviously, Buffalo has a, a clear uh, advantage on the defensive side, but I like how Miami went out there and competed. Will this be the game that the Buffalo Bills offense decides to show up and join the party? Because if that happens, the Bills are will transform themselves from a nice story to a Super Bowl contender. Yeah, this game could turn out of hand very quickly. I can see the defense for the Bills single-handedly shutting this one down. Josh Rosen threw for 80 yards and two interceptions against the Redskins at home. <laughs> so why you're going back to him in Buffalo right now is just, I mean, you're just asking to end his career. In a passing league, 80 yards. In three quarters, too. <laughs> the only team that might be worse off than the Dolphins is the Cincinnati Bengals. They're back at home at Paul Brown Stadium. But Minshew Magic, not exactly as explosive as we first originally thought it could be. The Jaguars still struggling. This is another game where both teams can get right. Well, I'm surprised that the Bengals are still winless. I thought they should have won at least two games. So 
interested to see how the uh, Bengals come out against Jacksonville and what Jacksonville can do to get off the mat because as much as we talk about Minshew, or not we, they talk about Minshew hey. and his mustache and all the jorts and all that stuff like that, <laughs> the offense has been underwhelming. So we'll see. But Minshew does give them a better chance to to be successful. And it's funny we didn't bring up in the, the buy or sell the whole Minshew foals. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll keep monitoring that moving forward. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting game. I think the Bengals have a shot to get their first dub this week. They've been in multiple games late, always coming back with that with Dalton at the end. And the Jags have seemed to st- let every other team stick in the game, even though their defense is pretty good. So I look for Dalton to be a main emphasis in this game. Yeah, at two and four, they're not warranted to look past anybody. The Jaguars, but when you go in against an zero and six team, the team that's been struggling with the Bengals, you could kind of see that maybe you're not as up for this game as you would be a divisional opponent at home or something. But uh, this is a chance for the Bengals here to get that first win, uh, especially with the way Minshew mania has kind of fallen off the last couple of weeks. He lost to a better mustache this week. <laughs> Let's move on to Ford Field. Vikings taking on the Lions. Who would have thought this would be a deciding game potentially in the NFC North? Detroit. His defense is, is really good. So is Minnesota's defense. And if Kirk Cousins can bottle up what he did last week and, and have that same level of of fness, you know, you know, to, to you know, effort typeness in this game <laughs> like he did against the Eagles, Minnesota is another scary team. Yeah, Minnesota is a complete team. That defense and that offense has been balling out. But this Lions team is a different Lions team than we've been used to the past few years. And which team is going to show up? This is going to be a great divisional matchup. Yeah, it's. Uh, I know they played the Eagles last week, but down Darby and Maddox, the Eagles in their secondary, they definitely exploited that with their receivers. It's going to be much tougher, especially on the road in Detroit. Uh, I'd expect Detroit to really make this a fun game. Interesting game at Lambeau Field. The Packers taking on the Raiders. Packers much better than what we thought. Raiders not as good as what we thought in the preseason, but still should be an entertaining ball game. Should be an inter- uh, entertaining ball game. Raiders have quietly played competitive in, in all their games. Uh, Green Bay, you hope they stick with the running game because that's been their their recipe, uh, and it helps them out. But defensively, I think they can give Oakland some issues. I would say that Oakland is better than what I thought that they would be so far this season. At three and two, going, they they were one of the worst teams in the league last season. That offense has been clicking a little bit more. David Carr's been doing better. This should be an interesting game. Oakland has to avoid that flop right now because they have that one or two games after a couple good games, and then they flop. Uh, we saw them put it on with the Colts, but then flop the week before that, and you th- you're ready to write them off. So if they can play the football, uh, the complimentary football that they have been, and Gruden keep them on right, this could be a really good game. Texans taking on the Colts. Two very good stories from this season so far. Deshaun Watson looks to be the answer to everyone's prayers in Houston. He's been a driving force for them. They're going to have a tough test taking on Indianapolis. Imagine being a Bears fan watching that game this past weekend. Watson Mahomes. That had to have been tough. Uh, Shout out to Will Fuller because if he catches any one of those three (laughs) it would have been a blowout in Kansas City. So we'll see what Will Fuller shows up today against or shows up this week against Indy in that very tough defense because he will be the guy that draws the optimum cover so they're going to need him to step up i think this is going to be the game of the week uh when luck went down a lot of people rode off the colts nobody in this room but Brissett has quietly been putting together a great season for the colts the texans we know that their offense is explosive they have receivers that can run you out of the gym but this colts defense can definitely hang with them these are two teams that are really feeling themselves after going into airhead themselves back to back and beating the 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 chiefs themselves so uh, these team, these two teams are teams that we may be seeing down the road in January, so it's going to be very exciting to watch now. The top two quarterbacks taken in the 2019 NFL Draft facing off Cardinals-Giants from MetLife Stadium. Emory, you'll be at this game. What are you expecting to see in this ball? This is a sneaky, entertaining game. Yeah. Because the Giants play of – the Giants are not boring, and the Cardinals are not boring. Um, so this game I would probably pick as the overtime game of the week. Because I see both offenses having success. The Giants should be a little bit healthier. We'll see if they get Saquon Barkley back. Uh, we know they re-signed Benny Fowler. Um, so he's going to be playing as well. Uh, it, which speaks to Sterling Shepard not being out. Uh, so we'll see. But I think this will be a, a very entertaining game. I'm excited to see this one play out. 
definitely going to be an entertaining game because one thing I know about the Giants is they cannot defend a mobile quarterback to save their lives. So Kyler Murray could end up having a day. And for that Cardinals defense, Patrick Peterson should be coming back in this one, right? He had a week. He should be, yeah. yeah. He had a six-game suspension, should be coming back in this one to give Danny Dimes a little bit of trouble. The Cardinals have uh, been, as we said before, have been playing better and better offensively. Kyler Murray looks a little bit more confident, but this Giants defense has been playing better and better it has as improved, of late. Yeah. So this could that's, that's going to be the matchup I watch is that offense, Cardinals offense versus this Giants defense and see which one improved the most. Could be a bloodbath in the nation's capital. 49ers taking on the Redskins. Obviously, Washington got their first win last week, but it's still against Miami. Didn't look impressive. But what has been consistent to me uh, with this Washington team has been their ability to, to to play some solid defense. And we saw last week against Miami, the running game, they got back on track with Adrian Peterson. That in itself could make this game very close. Yeah, I was going to touch on that. AP got back on the got back on the hide this past week, but this 49ers defense looks like the truth so far. And no matter who's going to be starting for the Redskins at quarterback, it's going to be a long day. Yeah, and it's been really tough too to uh, it's going to be really tough too for the Redskins to stop now a healthy Tevin Coleman on top of a Matt Burita, and Mo starts getting a little bit of touches too. They've got a three running back heads over there for the 49ers that has really been tough to deal with. Two teams looking for answers next. The Chargers taking on the Titans from Nissan Stadium. Interesting to see if Mariota gets to start this week or not. That's going to be the biggest key, and their offense was very tough to watch against the Denver Broncos, and at times the Chargers offense can be very tough to watch. So which offense gets off the mat will be the key. Yeah, and we've seen the Chargers consistently play down to other teams' level. I can't even say if it's playing down now just because of the way the Chargers have looked. But it, they have trouble stopping the run, and Derrick Henry is a different beast. So will they be able to hold him in check, or will he go crazy for the Titans? Yeah, I expect the running game for both teams to be heavily involved. They're, uh, been getting, they were from behind the Chargers this past week. I expect to see a lot of Gordon and a lot of Henry in this one. The Saints taking on the Bears. Obviously, New Orleans has looked good. They're 5-1. and one. Offense has not exactly clicked on full cylinders, though, with Teddy Bridgewater. Now they got a Chicago defense coming in. This could be a low-scoring game. Could be a low-scoring game. Could look a lot like Jacksonville, but we don't know which Bears offense will show up. And if any, if the Bears offense that we've seen over the course of the season shows up against this Saints defense, Saints may not have to do much offensively to get the win. Yeah, this is going to be a good defensive game. Saints defense has been balling out. We know what that Bears defense is, one of the best defenses in the league. But the quarterback situation is going to be what to look for for me from the Chicago Bears. Yeah, this Saints defense is really getting overlooked, I think, a little bit. I mean, we know that they're good, but everybody's talking about Bridgewater. When Breeze comes back, the high-powered offense, this Saints uh, defense can really make it hard. And we don't know if Mitch Trubisky is going to be back this week or not, but for the Bears' sake, it might be better with Chase Daniel. This has got to be the best game of the week. The Ravens taking on the Seahawks. Two incredible quarterbacks, two great field generals on the, in this game. Seattle will be tested in this one. And Baltimore, this will be a good see, chance to see where they are in the playoff picture. Yeah, because we've seen them have their issues defensively against good offenses. In comes the Seahawks offense, very good offense. Challenge for their defense It will be the key. Yeah, I was going to say this is going to be a test for the Ravens on the road with the 12th man. We know Russell Wilson, what Russell Wilson is in this offense. They love to run the ball, and this Ravens defense has just been susceptible across the board, it seems, in games. And Seattle is going to bring it. Ravens offense should go toe-to-toe, but we're going to have to see. Yeah, I'm looking for the Ravens. The best way to take on Seattle and that defense is by keeping Russell Wilson off the field. Well, for the most part, at least for the Seahawks team. Uh, with the way Jackson can run the ball and Ingram, you would expect them to just monitor the clock and just keep the Russell Wilson off the field. Sunday Night Football could be one of two very hot seats by the end of it. Eagles taking on the Cowboys. A lot of question marks in both cities, but yet this could be one of the games that decides who wins this division. That's what I was going to go. It's the biggest game in the week because it can give you the upper hand uh if things go according to how his it has gone if both teams finish eight and eight and if you have the tiebreaker you win a division so this is a huge game for both teams definitely is i mean you got the cowboys on the three uh, game losing streak you got the eagles who are so hot and cold this year it's what what eagles team are you going to get which cowboys team are you going to get we finally get to see this matchup for the first time this year dak versus wentz 
who's going to come out on top. Yeah, so many storylines in this game to go. You go anywhere with this. So, uh, But seeing the Eagles, we've seen them already go into Lambeau and win a big game. And you see, we've seen Dallas sputter a little bit, but they show up for big games, especially big divisional games. This is going to be really fun to watch. And finally, Monday night, one of the better rivalries in all of the NFL, Patriots taking on the Jets at MetLife. Patriots have been criticized for their defense this year so far. That's really the only thing you can point to. Jets now have a healthy Sam Darnold. Will that make this a closer game than it was possibly a couple weeks ago? I'm checking through the notes. Did you just say the best rivalry in the NFL? One of. I said one <laughs> of. I did not say sure. the. I did not say the. I, I said just, one of. I want to keep, keep track of everything that's said on this podcast. <laughs> no, but. Bear, Bears Packers from, uh, by far. <laughs> but Bears this is going to be a good game because I don't. I truly don't think the Jets are as bad as what we saw during Darnold's absence. Right. Uh, they had legitimately no offense. However, that to me falls on Adam Gates because you coach this team, you should be able to generate some offense with the guys that you had on the roster um, at that position, at quarterback. But I do think the Jets tend to play up to the competition. We saw this against Dallas. Uh, so we'll see this again against New England. This won't be a pushover for the Patriots, so it's going to be a fun game to watch. Definitely is, and it's in MetLife, which makes it better on the Jets here. The Jets typically play the Patriots hard. Now they have Darnold, and we've seen this Patriots offense sputter a little bit. That defense this year, it's, it's historical right now. They're, they can break some records this year, but that offense has definitely sputtered a little bit. Now they played a tight game with the Bills. The Jets' defense has been on track. Now with the return of Darnold, it should be an interesting one. Yeah, this is obviously we saw last uh, last week what Sam Darnold brings to this team and the confidence Adam Gase has in calling an offense with a competent quarterback under helm uh, with a big game like this. And with Adam Gase's success against the New England Patriots, t- picking up three wins with a definitely uh, uh, inferior roster with the Dolphins, uh, this could be really fun, especially at home. And uh, I definitely expect uh, possibly a one-score game here. Steelers, Browns, Panthers, and Bucks all on a bye, but that will do it for our Week 7 preview. Again, if you want to listen back on this podcast, go to SoundCloud or iTunes and search Football Game Plan while you're there. Don't forget to go to footballgameplan.com for all of your football knowledge from college to the pros and beyond. And don't forget to check out all of the stuff we have on YouTube at youtube.com slash footballgameplan. For Alex Marinoni, Troy Anthony, the Czar of the Playbook, Emery Hunt, I've been David Hasegan. Enjoy Week 7, and thanks for listening.